a lot of musicians, you know, we have a hard time making friends. We're not the most social. Like I certainly am not the most social and outgoing person. I started playing music and touring at a very young age. So for me, alcohol was the great equalizer. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. If you're looking to hear stories of hope, inspiration, and turning your greatest adversities into your advantage, well, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Jason Lachance, and through my addiction recovery and struggles with anxiety and depression, I dug into my passion of speaking with people who have transformed their lives. And my guest, Hurricane Nita Strauss, that's right, guitarist for not only Alice Cooper and Demi Lovato, but of course, she's had an amazing solo career. Hurricane Nita and I talked that moment of surrender when she knew she had to make the change that she continually promised to do and broke over and over. Sounds familiar for anyone in recovery, right? We also talk about the influences of Alice Cooper, Zach Wilde, and others in the rock world on her sobriety. As well, we dig into how she got a Super Bowl ring from the Los Angeles Rams and why Plus, I asked her as a big WWE fan what it was like performing at WrestleMania for Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance. And we have some fun random questions. And of course, Nita leaves us with the final thoughts. Nita Strauss, thank you for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. Thank you so much for having me. It's very, I'm very, very honored to be here. Been a fan of your work for a long time and, and appreciate that you recover out loud to let people know, hey, you can turn your life around. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Absolutely. Um, man, gosh, where do we start with this? Uh, there's so many wonderful things I'd like to talk to you about as a music fan, too. Uh, but let's talk to recovery. I, I, you know, the significant date. What was it? Nine, five, 15. That is right. And was it did you just have a moment of surrender? Or is it just was it a screw it? I'm done. This is this is just a miserable way to live. Uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, it was a long time coming. I had struggled with uh, my different demons in the past and thankfully was able to get rid of most of them um, previous to that. But drinking on tour is is a hard one because it's just so prevalent. You know, you don't realize how dangerous it is and how much you're drinking until you really like are forced to take a hard look at it. And, you know, it doesn't seem like very much at the time because it's just so ingrained in the culture that, you know, you have a, you know, maybe a shot or something to relax before you go on stage and, you know, you finish the show and you go and meet your friends and you have a cocktail or two with your friends and then you get on the bus, you have a glass of wine to unwind, you know, go to sleep for the night. And then the next day, you know, you have the day off in Peoria, Illinois, and nobody knows anyone there. So what do you do? But you go to the hotel bar and drink there. And before you realize it, you're having, you know, 10, 12 drinks a day, seven days a week, you know. 10 months of the year on the road and it's um it was just affecting me in every aspect of my life it was affecting my health it was affecting my relationship um you know my friendships everything so um finally that day in 2015 things just sort of came to head with me and my boyfriend who's now my fiance and just said look you know if you're going to continue living your life this way you know i'm not going to stop you but i'm also not going to be a part of it for very much longer and that was just sort of like the last straw that i needed to say what is more important to me, you know, this relationship with the man that now is going to be my husband, you know, or this substance, which has been a struggle of mine for a long time. So that was the last, that was the last time. You shared something so valuable. I've been trying to reframe with people that I work with in recovery, you know, that's boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah. let's look at it. I, let's reframe that to accessibility. 
uh, and, and your fiance, I saw some recent photos of you guys vacationing, which is awesome. Um, he decided I'm going to change my accessibility. Yes. And I try to tell people, let's talk about accessibility boundaries. We've kind of bastardized, but it's like, I love you, but I'm not going to be accessible in the way that you want me to be. If you're going to continue to do what you're going to do. Yes, exactly. And that was, that was kind of it. It's like, you know, and again, this is, this has been, you know, an ongoing struggle for many years. Mm. It's not like I was like, well, I don't have a problem at all. You know, I was already fully aware. I had already, you know, stopped drinking and started again and stopped using drugs and started again, like many things over the years. So that was just, that was the last time, you know, that was the time that I was able to finally make it stick when I was forced with, you know, to face the possibility of living life without the person that I wanted to live it with. Yeah. Did you face, I was sharing with you before we started, you know, really being able to hone in coming from a lineage of substance abuse and addiction and losing family members to this, you know, if you want to call it a disease or whatever your framing is for it. Did it kind of start with childhood stuff? I mean, I've noticed because I worked in rock radio for 20 years, I did my fair fair share of partying backstage. I kind of got an idea of the lifestyle. My sponsor works for a very huge band. It's like, I've seen it. I've seen what it is. And especially us artsy people, um, you know, we tend to turn to our art form to get away from some of that pain. I mean, was this the thing that kind of started with childhood peer pressure? Really, where for you do you kind of in doing the work, see where it kind of kicked off for you? Well, uh, you know, my parents, my dad was a touring musician. You know, my mom, of course, was in the lifestyle with him, you know, being the, the wife of a rock star. But I wouldn't say that my addiction started with them. I think, you know, for me, it was deeply personal. Um, and a lot of it had to do with just being an awkward kid. You know, a lot of musicians, you know, we have a hard time making friends. We're not the most social. Like, I certainly am not the most social and outgoing person. I started playing music and touring at a very young age. So for me, alcohol was the great equalizer. You know, mm -hmm. I could be the 15-year-old kid in the room, you know, with a bunch of adults, you know, playing on the same stage and they would treat me like a kid. But if you start drinking together, everything kind of, you know, you kind of become friends and become equals. If you can have a beer with somebody, you know, you can get to know them and be friends with them on that level. Uh, so I, it started out as something social and then really snowballed from there as it does with so many people. Well, and you said something really valuable there too, that I think people don't think about. And it definitely felt that way for me. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I mean, I didn't really start drinking until legally I could. Um, mm -hmm. But it but it was that equalizer. It was, you know, I was a very awkward kid, you know, and, it, and you, you know, you're so nice and sweet, but I've seen you perform <laughs> live multiple times and you, you play with veracity and you have this energy and it's it's so... It's like such a different part of your personality. What is the Japanese culture? They say we have four faces and it's like one of your other faces that comes out. And people say that from, to me, like I host MMA events and pro wrestling and do all this stuff. And yet I'm really quite shy and introverted. And me so too, it, yeah. it, it's like, tell me if this resonates with you. I found that I wanted the performer personality to be able to match with people because they seem to like that side. So I wanted to give them that all the time. A hundred percent. Yeah, that is definitely what it is. I feel like playing on stage is definitely like an alter ego for me. You know, when I get on stage, you know, I'm powerful and confident. And when I got off stage, I wanted to feel the same way. 
And using these different substances made me feel like that, you know, made me feel funny and confident and friendly and outgoing where, you know, now I, I'm more confident in a different way, but I'm also a lot less outgoing. You know, I'm, I'm the first one to bed at night. You know, I'm not the one staying up and hanging out and chit chatting until the late hours or going out to, you know, bars or other concerts after our show is done. And that's, you know, those are the, that's the sort of social trade-off of sobriety for me. Yeah, but it's a, uh, I mean, you sound that you love it that way. And I know I do. Like if people invite me out and say it's, it's out of one of my best friends, they own a, a, a lounge, very upscale and I'll go and I'll watch my friend who performs jazz there and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows I have a heart out. Like they know there's right. going to come a point where it's like, love you guys, but peace out. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, I think. I, I generally just don't go, you know, Mm -hmm. I, um, but there's sort of like an unspoken thing with, you know, me and my friends, me and my band members, you know, whether I'm on tour with Alice or I'm on the road now with my solo band where they always invite me because they know I like to be invited, but they also know that I'm, it's unlikely (laughs) that I'll go. (laughs) So it's like, uh, you know, I'm always in the group text, like, Hey guys, you know, we're going to go to the steakhouse tonight. If anybody wants to go, you know, we're going to go get a bottle of wine and, and, you know, hang out and they know that I'm going to respond and say, thank you so much for the invite. Uh, I think I'm going to stay in and have a great time and nobody gets their feelings hurt. And, you know, it's, it's all, it's all very loving. Yeah. Is there ever a point where maybe it's like, look, I'll uh, like a reply, like, look, I'll do the steak, but you know, once the second oh, yeah. bottle of wine hits the table, I'm <laughs> like I'm out bitches. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, they, you know, I, I go from time to time and there's, you know, the great thing about all the, the brands I work with and the people that I tour with, it's like, there's never any pressure, you know, everyone, I think that they would all stop drinking before they would let me have a drink, which is nice. You know, there's, there's never been any like, well, can't you just have one or can't you do this? It's like, it's deeply, deeply supported, even though it's not like a recovery-based tour. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast, sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose 5150 LTM that's right not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life but they give back to the community and you the listener of knocking doors down get 20% off every time you shop at 5150 LTM all you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off and how does 5150 give back to the community Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the Race to End the Stigma, the Race for Autism, and the Race to Be Drug-Free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. I've had people ask me like, hey, why is this time for you and your stint to sobriety so different? And I go, because I embrace two factual things that you can track that work for sobriety and that's a great sense of community and having those people around like you know that wouldn't ever let you drink and the second one being a a belief in a higher power that i let work through me those are the two greatest things are going to help you have long-term sobriety and keep working it i mean shoot you you work with alice cooper the guy's 
shared it so much, you know, about what yeah. it is. I mean, one of my heroes, I got a brief, brief little talk with him years ago when I worked in radio. Um, and that's, I mean, you have to have that. Absolutely. If you talk to Alice about it, it's, it's the only thing, you know, in my early sobriety, I went, you know, I was asking everybody, anybody that I could get five minutes with, I was like, what did you do? <laughs> How did you do it? And, uh, you know, Alice's answer was the shortest and the simplest. And he said, you know, God just took my desire to drink away. And uh, really lucky in that respect, because that didn't happen for me. <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you know, it's there's different it's, sobriety looks different for everybody. Everybody's journey is different, you know, but it's wonderful when you get somebody like Coop who really like embraces that part of it so fully that he was able to give that desire to God. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. I'd like to do it, too. Yeah. Are you, is that still an area that you work on your your sense of faith and spirituality? No, my faith is very strong. Um, okay. Always has been, even before sobriety. That's something that I'm I'm very very comfortable and very confident in. But I just think it it just works so differently for different people, you yes. know. Um, and uh, there's there's something you know. And again, we say recovery looks different for everybody. And um, I I don't personally participate in the program, but. There's something that uh, a piece of advice that I got once that really works well for me where, you know, and you're supposed to admit that you're powerless against alcohol. And can I, can I curse on your show? I don't know if we're a family show. Go for show. it. Just let it know. Let it go. You know? Be you. Please. And the advice was like, you know, Nita, you're not powerless. You're fucking powerful. You know, you have the power to, to take over, you know, your own life and create your own destiny and, you know, that's something that was important for me to think about is like, I felt powerless when I was drinking all the time and I felt like I couldn't stop. And now in, in active sobriety and active recovery, I feel powerful over my choices. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's step one is what you're talking like for us 12 step people. I mean, that's step one, just admitting that you're powerless, mm -hmm. but thank you for sharing. And, and you're right. Like we really, it's so hard. I work with some young people Nita, and it's so hard to get them to understand like, in a day and age where everything's, you know, I don't even want to drive to Taco Bell. Oh, I'll just pay $20 more for it to get yeah. it delivered. You know, yeah. and it's like, look, when you start to do the work, whatever it looks like, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'm not one of these people that I'm like, it has to be a 12 step or you, you have to go to treatment. I didn't go to treatment. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, you know, it took me a while to hit some 12 step meetings and I do all different kinds now, smart recovery, whatever mm -hmm. it is, like, you know, like I want to learn as much as possible about this so that I understand and I can help people. But I think yes. people get a little too stuck sometimes. And this is the way, you know, like we're yeah, not the fucking absolutely. Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It has to be OK for it to look different to everybody. You know, something that works for one person might not work well for another person and vice versa. You know, it's the the important thing is the recovery. You know, mm -hmm. everything else is, is extra. Well, and it's interesting. You're holding your dog, Bentley had your dog Motley in the background, which uh, was yes. funny. We were talking because I had seen you on that tour with Motley front row twice. I think you guys killed it. Oh my God. Thank you so much. So awesome. Um, and, uh, where was I going with that? Now I forgot. Cause I'm thinking about the concert and like, Oh yeah. You know, um, that you know, I got sober on that tour. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I got sober in the middle of that tour, in the middle of a two-year tour. How did that work? With I mean, you so you got 
you know, Nikki, who's who's loud and vocal, and I've talked to him, did a radio mm-hmm. interview with you, still trying to get him here on the podcast. He's just tough to get through to. Um, how did people like that and like Alice really kind of help you? I mean, did you just kind of watch them from afar and see how they conducted themselves? And because oftentimes people that have really worked their sobriety give off a totally different energy that you kind of go, hmm. They've got something I want. And I don't mean that like nefarious, let me steal some shit from you. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for me, it was it was the opposite of a far. You know, I would I have always been the type of person, excuse me, to to go to people that know more than me, Mm. you know, for help and advice. So uh, I feel very, very grateful to have been on that tour with Alice and Nikki. You know, I asked Nikki you know, within the first couple of weeks, you know, if he had any advice and, you know, he gave me some books to read and, you know, some advice and some sort of like mindset stuff. And, you know, and then I spoke to Coop who, you know, give, give the best and worst advice because, you know, there's, there's nothing about Alice's journey that you can take with you and use, you know, either the Lord takes your desire to drink away or he doesn't, you know, like, and so that was, and I was like, man, that's wish that would help for me. I prayed on it. Didn't happen. Um, And, uh, you know, I I asked Zach Wild. I asked, you know, anybody that I could come across that I could talk to for more than five minutes, like, hey, you know, any tips for a newbie? And uh, and I got some great advice because of it. Yeah. Do you recollect, gosh, you mentioned all these people I'd love to talk to. Zach Wild, another one of my guitar singing heroes there. Um, Recollect maybe some of the things that he shared. I mean, because we're talking, you know, when we talk Cooper, when we talk Nikki Six, when we talk Zach Wild, we are people, we're talking people that, they kept going a little bit longer. They wouldn't be here. Yes. Um, Zach's big piece of advice to me was don't be a pussy. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, and he was the one that said, you are powerful. You're a strong, badass woman. And this has no power over you unless you let it, you Mm. know? Um, And his his literal words were like, quit being a pussy. (laughs) It's like, you know, I've never had someone tell me stop being a pussy in such a loving way you know such a loving and encouraging way you know and um it was it was a great pep talk you know good locker room pep talk is gosh a good seven years ago now so i don't remember verbatim but it's hard to forget when zach wild says quit being a pussy (laughs) i can only imagine (laughs) but it's funny what this guy i was working with and as i was telling you i did some work in sex and love addictions i struggled with pornography and he said something very much along the same lines he used the word are you a cuckold and i'm like what are you talking about he's like you are giving up your manpower to some thing on the internet that you're not even yeah yeah that you're not even involved with like Mm -hmm. like like sack up dude like, is that, is that who you are as a man? And it was like, oh shit. First time the light oh, went shit. off about it. Yeah. 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 You know, sometimes you need a little bit of that tough love where it's like, you know, we're conditioned at times as addicts to feel weak, you know, be like, I'm powerless. Or, you know, I, I've got this, I've got this disease. I've got this terrible thing and everybody can have fun except me, you know, and you, you turn into Eeyore, you know, everything is doom <laughs> and gloom all the time. And sometimes you just need someone to say like, hey, like, as you said, like, sack up, you know, you can live a wonderful, rich, fulfilling, fun, incredible life, you know, more so than if it, you know, is lived in the haze of, of a substance, regardless of what that substance is. Um, You just have to like, get out there and do it, you know? I think, and for me, and when I, anyone that asked me to counsel them, the breaking of the victim mentality, what you're mentioning right there is imperative. 
Like we have to get yeah. out the the Eeyore phase. I've never heard anyone put it quite so simple. I mean, it, it was just it was, oh, it was the, me. the thanks for noticing me. Yes, and, exactly. You know, oh god, I can't have any fun. I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the steakhouse and I'm gonna loudly say just water for me. You know, like, right? You know, you can go to the steakhouse with the guys and you can have you know they can order their glass of wine and uh, I have had some of the best mocktails of my life at high-end steakhouses with the alice cooper band you know right. and um alice brings his neo what flavored water drops everywhere so you know he'll get uh you know a water and put his water drops in and i will say like can you just have the bartender make me something fancy and they'll bring me a martini glass with some dry ice in it and like you know some sparkling water and pineapple juice and blue food coloring or something and, and you know you can have a lot of fun with it if you just allow yourself to do it well, and, and thank you for sharing that because I think it's important to, I think people, some do, especially new in recovery, we look at the doom and gloom side, but, uh, you know, I've reframed it so much like this is the most rad, awesome exploration I've done. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I tell people, look, I'm in my Terry Funk phase, a professional wrestler. I'm, <laughs> I'm middle-aged and crazy, you know? Love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's man. like, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to stop being me, but I'm, but we get to explore life in a totally new and free way. And I think people really miss that. Absolutely. And and you're so much more present for it. You know, I used to drift through life like it was a video game, you know, mm. and like see how how far I could get before, you know, my video game life dies out. You know, how how much could I drink before or after the show without, you know, being incapacitated, making mistakes on stage or whatever it was. And now I'm so clear and present for every single show. Um, it's so much more respectful to my audience to be there and deliver them the show that they paid for rather than me stumbling around and hoping I hit the right notes. You know, I can really make that eye contact with people that are there. I can stay on point and, you know, play as many of the right notes as possible. And no one, you know, I'm never going to hit them all, but, you know, uh, a lot more so. And then I get, you know, I wake up the next day and I remember all of it. You know, we can talk about who we saw in the crowd and say, hey, did you see, you know, the woman with the little girl on her shoulders with the Nita Strauss shirt, you know, and I was like, yeah, I totally saw her. We're like, you know, a couple of years ago, I might not even have remembered that I saw that little girl in the crowd. Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira, now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done, and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. I don't know if it's something you're open to talk about. I actually, I texted my sponsor and he was curious about this, uh, it, you know, because you had a phase, you went and played with Demi Lovato and then she kind of came out. Like, how do you, how do you see that when people that you work with have now come out as well and, and been vocal about it? Like, hey, I struggled or, you know, I know she talked, oh, I'm Cali sober. And then is like, no, I'm totally sober. Like what, what for you is kind of that perspective when you've been out there and, and spent time with people and worked with them? I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Demi tour was the most healthy environment I've ever been in, in recovery mm -hmm. uh, on the road. 
because it is such a health and recovery focused environment. You know, mm. this is the only tour I've ever been on where there's no alcohol backstage where, you know, everyone, there's a lot of, a lot of sober people on the tour. Um, and Demi in particular herself was such a, an amazing friend and resource to me, even, you know, I've, I've been sober for a long time, but she has, you know, so much insight and has been, you know, working in and out of recovery for so long that she had insight and perspective that I had never even heard of. You know, she had, you know, like I said, I ask everybody, like, what do you do? How do you handle this? And she had some of the most insightful advice and perspective that I have ever heard from anybody because she's been through such similar things that I have of being on the road and having these temptations and, you know, how you can handle it in a proactive and smart way. So being on tour with her was a huge, huge blessing for me. I'm I'm so grateful that it was so good mentally and spiritually as well as so much fun as a career move. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. I was kind of, I wasn't in shock per se, but I'm like, that's a kind of a bitchin' move. Like that's, that's cool to stretch your legs out and show another side because I think, I want to talk a little more about the career. I think sometimes people with artists, they get pigeonholed, you know, it's, it's like, yes. Uh, for instance, okay, let's take Motley. People think these are the only songs that Nikki Six and or the Collective have ever written, and it's not the case. And for you, it was cool to kind of show you another side of your playing and your ability. Totally, it was it was a fun exercise for me, and you know, changing gears, playing a different style of music. You know, Demi is is such a talented performer and vocalist. You know, it was. It's fun to try to keep up with someone as good as her on stage. You know, she is such a phenomenal talent in so many ways. And uh, she makes all of us better for being on stage with her. What's the challenges with, the, you know, with like, you know, Cooper's big stage production, your solo career, it's going to have a, a bit of a technical aspect and a Demi Lovato, obviously a bigger, different kind of state. What are some of those challenges that you face? I know some, you know. And my buddy's like, oh, yeah, all of our songs, because of Pyro, they're they're set to a click track. So we've got that in our ear. And so there's some of those different challenges. There's not any room for improv or whatever that might come about. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing, you know, like I'm I'm sort of like always working on a few different things at once. You know, like this year I've, I've played with Demi. I've played with Alice. I'm on a solo tour right now. I work with the Los Angeles Rams NFL team like. There's always a lot happening. So I'm routinely going from like a club show to an NFL game to, you know, a festival to like back and forth. And the biggest thing is just to stay grounded through it, you know, no matter who you're playing with, no matter if there's, you know, 100 people there or 70,000 people there, just giving the same show, delivering, you know, what your audience came there to see, giving your all. I'm, you know, I'm going to play in Chicago tonight to, you know, a theater crowd of, you know, I don't know, it's going to be 1500 people or so. And I'm going to give them the 70,000 person show every single time. And yeah. as long as you give that stadium show, you know, regardless of what the gig is, that's, that's my biggest piece of advice. How do you keep uh, ego in check? Like not buy into any of the, the bullshit, uh, either over inflating or under inflating the ego. Biggest thing for me, I would say, is just not either not reading what people are putting online or just not putting too much stock into it. You know, you're going to have people online that think, you know, you're the, the greatest thing that ever lived. And you're going to have people online that say that you are nothing and you deserve nothing and you should get nothing. You know, 
And you really just can't buy into either one of them too much. Just, you know, keep your head down, stay in your lane, work hard and be proud of what you're doing and the rest will come. Yeah. And I think a lot of people miss that with, with life in general. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, we have to do what we have to do because we love to do it. Yes. It's music. You know, it's, it's work, but it's also music. You know, we do it because we love it. Yeah. Well, you brought something up there. I know you're a big, you know, grew up in LA, a big LA fan. Now I'm a bigger Lakers fan than a football fan, but what is it like? Did you ever picture if you go back to thinking about little Nita that you would have a Super Bowl ring? Because people don't know you got a Super Bowl ring too when the Rams won. I did. Yeah, that was definitely one of those bucket list things that like was never actually on the bucket list. You know, as a as a young musician, you dream of winning a Grammy. You know, you you never it never would have occurred to me to dream of a Super Bowl ring. Um, you know, even like now, you know, if I, if I mention it, people go, why, like, why do you have that? (laughs) What did you do to to deserve that? And, you know, the answer is I, I flew in, you know, I took a red eye every two weeks of the season, you know, to fly in, you know, I'd wake up at 4am, fly into LAX from wherever I was in the country, play the game, you know, go back to the airport, take a red-eye flight, you know, fly at midnight back to whatever the next city was and play in the next city on Monday. You know, it was it was so cool to be a part of that championship season with the Rams and you know be a small part along with dj Molsky, who was amazing to work with just hyping the team up hyping the crowd up and you know the atmosphere is is a part of it you know the atmosphere in the stadium is a big part of it so it was just it was cool to the coolest thing was to be a part of it and the second coolest thing is getting the hardware uh let me add, i want to ask about the dogs i've seemed to have had guests oh, with yes. dogs a lot lately but i want to ask because <laughs> uh my buddy uh who's been an amazing mentor Sonny mayo who used to be in snot seven dust all yes. that you know um i was really asking him like how he found found his higher power and as when one of his dogs was sick and was gonna die and so he started spelling dog d-o capital g that's where he oh, found this yeah it's I, I i'll send you the i'll direct message you the link for this clip because it's really beautiful and it brought me tears we're sitting in this hotel room for this podcast I'm like, oh, that's how beautiful oh uh, wow um, what is it for you? Like having the dogs out on the road for you? Is that just something that really brings you a lot of comfort? And the reason I ask, I had this gentleman, Jason Howes on veteran PTSD, suffered some really tough stuff overseas. And he has a program in Ohio now or Missouri. Mm-hmm. God, I'm blanking right now, but it's canines and he gets canines free trained for vets, you know, trained oh, service dogs. So what for you is kind of that the dogs on the road with you? Well, the pups are great because it's so hard to be stressed out or be mad when they're around. You know, I mean, look at this face. Can you have a bad day (laughs) when she's here? You know, Um, I tour, like I said, 10 months out of the year and both my dogs are older. You know, uh, Bentley, who I have here in my lap is 14. And uh, the one over there, Motley, who I call the baby is 10. Uh, So... It's, you know, it's so important for me to spend as much time as I possibly can with them, you know, because they're, they're not going to be with me forever and ever. And at least 
I can't take them on every tour, but I take them on every solo tour because like, this is, this is my time to spend time with them, you know? And, uh, they are just the best company, you know, anytime we're like up front in the, in the front lounge of the bus discussing, you know, the, the next day show or, you know, stressful stuff about merch or money or whatever it is, you know, somebody's got a dog in their lap doing this and it just kind of like brings the energy level down a little bit. Nobody gets, you know, nobody's going to yell and scare them. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll yell at each other. But not when the dogs are <laughs> Was she a teacup Pomeranian? She's a Pomchi, a okay. Pomeranian Chihuahua mix. And then Motley over there who's sleeping is a little like Chihuahua Terrier mix. Oh, I love it. And they're good alert dogs too, aren't they? They protect their owner, man. They'll pipe up. Well, these two are, these two are pretty lazy. Are they? <laughs> and the problem with mine is they, they like everybody, you know, so like it would be they don't startle very easily they're they like oh. they like attention from everybody so if somebody broke into the bus i don't think they'd be much help <laughs> i put my cat up against a burglar over them oh there you go yeah right uh-huh because mm, she's a dick <laughs> cats are our cat oh my yeah. god so my 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 girlfriend she got a a, a weighted blanket you know, she wanted to try it and it's been helping her sleep mm-hmm. so much better. And our cat, no matter what, every night coming up and doing, you know, the kneading thing that they do and clawing at it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and uh, woke yeah. up this morning, the cat's just wrapped around her fucking leg. It's like, you little shit. <laughs> uh, Come on. Yep. Uh, uh, we're going to jump to some fun, random questions to finish up. And I'm going to leave you with the final thought. But I have to ask because... I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. I've worked in the business as a ring announcer and a TV commentator playing for the WWE. Like I got to say, when you did the entrance WrestleMania, that was some of the coolest shit I had seen at a WrestleMania for an entrance in a long time. How did that come about? Um, so, uh, my fiance, Josh is also my manager and, you know, we love WWE. We're huge professional wrestling fans. Uh, I've, I had played for some indie shows in the past already. And, um, that was really Josh's vision. You know, he was like, I just, you know, he imagined this happening. He sort of, he has these ideas and he, we didn't have the right connect. We didn't know who to talk to. It wasn't like we called up a pal and we're like, Hey, can she come and do this gig? And they said, yeah, have her do WrestleMania. You know, it was a lot of um a lot of you know reaching out trying different contacts um nick foley was a huge part of it an instrumental part in getting us to the right person um lillian garcia was another one you know very important to like getting us to the right people to me at wwe um and uh very very grateful to neil lowey and the whole team there for allowing me to be a part of such a historic and special moment with shinsuke yeah, yeah, and he's such an awesome performer, such an awesome guy, and yeah, yeah you had that great totally conversation amazing. with Lillian Garcia on her show, and I love that She's a phenomenal lady, yeah. and Mick Foley, just one of the hero legends for sure. That's uh, that's another one of those bucket list people to talk to. He's such a phenomenal person, but yeah, Mick is Mick is one of a kind, tr- truly one of a kind, and I don't mean like RVD one of a kind. He was actually the first <laughs> pro wrestler I played down to the ring. I played walk for RVD. At That's an indie right. Show. That was the first time I played in an in indie wrestling ring. Yeah, no, Mick, he's such a, a unique individual. Um, yeah, I would love to have a beautiful conversation with that guy someday. Got a lot of those bucket list people still, but um, I know we're a little 
closer for time. You got a show day, you got a prep, so I really appreciate you doing this. But this is where I jump into some fun random questions. This is where we have shits and giggles, as they would say in Great Britain. Um, let's start off. Three most inf- influential guitar players for you that you personally maybe took some technique or whatever it was. Or I'd say um, Steve I, Marty Friedman, Jennifer Batten. I don't know Jennifer Batten. Tell me more about her. Uh, Jennifer Batten was Michael Jackson's guitar player. Oh, um, okay. Yes, now I know. Go ahead. Total shred genius. Played with Jeff Beck, amazing solo artist, and uh, really, to me, the the pioneer of female shred. She did uh, the Bad Tour? Yes. Okay, now I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. my mom wouldn't take me when she went. Mm. Uh, oh, that's okay. Um, Marty Friedman, of course, you know, Megadeth. Uh, was it the work with Megadeth? Was it the solo work with combination of the both or experiences you personally had with him? Um, I would say all of the above. Um, mm. The first heavy metal song I ever heard was a Megadeth song with Marty Friedman playing guitar. So it was like a, it's a core memory, you know, for me hearing Marty Friedman play for the first time. Um, then of course, getting into instrumental solo guitar music, you know, Marty Friedman, there's not many people that have done it as cool as Marty Friedman did with so many different influences, so many different styles, so much versatility. Um, and then I did have the honor to collaborate with him on my record. Uh, we wrote a song together, which is the the closing track on my new album, The Call of the Void. And that uh, was a huge honor to do that. Yeah. I'll put that link for your album too in the description for people that maybe haven't checked it out yet. It's phenomenal stuff. And I would ask you about Steve Vai, but it's kind of like Steve Vai, Steve Vai. Look, if you're into guitar playing and you, you don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for people that don't give him, you know, his just due. So that's the truth. She Bentley agrees. Let's see. What's the fun one? Um, pet peeves, stuff that irks you. How much time do you have? <laughs> I got all the time you want. I'm just, I'm, I'm on your, your clock here with this one. I could, I could talk to you all day, but. Um, oh my gosh. Let's see. Oh, here's a, here's a fun little one. Um, people that use the front of the stage as a coffee table during the show. Sometimes, uh... you know, you get people, you know, when they're on the barricade that they'll put their drinks or their jacket or something on the stage and like sometimes I look at a thing, I'm like, I'll come to your work and put my jacket up on, <laughs> on your desk. You know, uh, <laughs> there you go. It's, it's a fun little pet peeve. That is a that that's a very unique to you pet peeve. Yes, another performer. <laughs> so that's a good one. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to say. Lately, I had a guy ask me the other day. He goes to. You, you usually start your podcast with gratitude. So I'm going to ask you about gratitude. And I said, I'm grateful for people that actually know proper lane changing procedure, including the signal and accelerate into gap, because that's just <laughs> missing from society. I don't know where that shit went. Amen. Uh, if uh, let's say you uh, you have your book out there or something, your life story that make either a movie or TV show about you, who would you want to play you? Oh, wow. I never even thought about that. And I'm a good actor, but I couldn't pull it off. I'm just saying. No, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I'm like, who's pretty? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had never thought about that. I don't know that they would ever need to make a movie out of me. Um, I'm just trying to, I mean, it's a boring answer. I'm just trying to think who I've gotten told I look like. Maybe like an Uma Thurman or like, I get Hillary Duff a lot. So maybe sure. 
right. I could say, yeah, why not? Let's get Duff back out there doing it. Yeah. I don't know. Who's really pretty? Give me like a Scarlett Johansson or like a... Scarlett uh, Johansson can do it. Anybody could do it. I'm pretty simple. Yeah. No, I could see Scarlett Johansson. I mean, because A, she's got the chops. You know, she would Mm -hmm. invest the work. She would at least... Okay. Tell me if this doesn't bother you. I get annoyed when I watch music films and and it's so overly, overly blatant that the actors are definitely not playing like the song, period, or even really like I've seen it before. Like, that's not even a chord what you're doing. I don't care yeah. what your tuning is. That's not even a chord. And it drives me nuts. Oh, yes. Actually, we just did a music video um, for my newest single out, which is called Victorious. And um, the director hired uh, an actress to play the part of little Nita. And when they cast her, they asked her if she could play guitar. And she said yes. And then they sent me a clip. They said, hey, you know, we just shot the first scene. You know, what do you think? And it was so obvious to me that this girl had never picked up a guitar in her life that like I have never sent someone home so fast. I wasn't even in the room. (laughs) <laughs> and I sent her home like I said this is not going to work and and uh we wound up having to recast that day and get um I handpicked a very very talented young player Charlotte Milstein who doesn't look as much like me as the first girl but she's such a talented guitar player that like we needed her for it to be realistic you know we needed the vibe of like a young hungry guitar player and she was perfect yeah well, and, and it goes to show, like, I think it was Brian Cranston's book. He talked about that. If you tell them, yes, you can, you better go F and learn it before you get on set. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Same thing in music. Yep. Yeah. That's why I keep my ass off the stage. I'm completely tone deaf. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I've tried real hard. I've got the mechanics down. It's the rest of it that sucks. We need good air guitar players, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look better with an actual one. Of my, I mean, I can bang some stuff out, but nothing where mm-hmm. it's like mm, I'm gonna go see that guy play. I I, I pull off a pretty decent, <laughs> pretty decent, a couple of Cinderella songs. I got down pretty good. There you go. What more do you need? What is something people would be surprised to learn about you? Maybe something that you don't share often, a hobby, an interest, um, anything that's just a little maybe not discussed. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I've never talked about. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned, it's just like the first thing on my mind because I watched the new one this morning, but um, I love the show Frasier. I'm obsessed uh-huh. with the new, they have a revival, like, you know, reboot of it that just came out, which I think is so good. And I just watched the new one. So I can probably quote just about any line from any episode of that show. I'll be darned. Yeah. I love yeah. the ones when they would bring back Lilith. Those were always the best to me. So great. So funny. She's being North is just such an amazing actress and uh, the way that they play off each other is so good. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I was obsessed with that show when I was young. I haven't started the new one. I have it bookmarked. Oh, you got to see it. Oh, it's so good. I literally just watched the new one right before our interview, which is why I was thinking about it. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been in a sci-fi phase lately because there's so Um, much good, like Star Wars and Star Trek stuff. And like, so my, my early recovery, my first sponsor was like, what did you love to do as a kid? We whittled it down to Legos. And so I build Star Wars Legos. It's kind of my little time to myself. So, um, how fun. Well, thank you for this. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And an honor. Thank you for carving out the time and uh, for recovering out loud. It um, 
I know it probably impacts more people than maybe you are able to know that you share that. And uh, I just, I commend you. I thank you. Uh, I'm proud of you. And hopefully thank I get you. to see you perform live in person. We get to have a little face-to-face at some point. But this is where I like to leave the guests with the final thought. Anything you want to share for maybe someone that's struggling, their loved ones, whatever it is, it's it's up to you. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for using your platform to to share these powerful stories and for including me in that. Um, to anybody that's watching and struggling, just know that you're not alone. There are so many great resources. If you feel like your recovery doesn't look like someone else's, try something else. There's so many different resources and different avenues. The most important thing is your sobriety. Um, I'm on the road now for another month. So I look forward to seeing a lot of you out here at the shows. I'm out supporting Mammoth, WVH, Wolfgang Van Halen's band. Um, so hopefully we'll see a lot of you guys out there. On that note, keep knocking doors down. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.